0: Craft Beer Radio coverage of the GABF
1: Beer and Food Pavilion.
2: While at the Great American Beer Festival, we recorded the sessions that were held at the Food and Beer Pavilion. This session is pairing with Malty and Hoppy beers with Sean Paxton, the homebrew chef, along with Matt Brindelson from Firestone Walker Brewing Company and Barnaby Struve from Three Floyds Brewing Company. Carolyn Smigalski explains everything in the introduction, so I won't repeat it here.
3: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Carolyn Smigalski, the Beer Fox, the editor and writer at Beer and Brewing at Fella Online, the voice of women on the internet. I'm also a writer, international writer at Beer Connoisseur Magazine, and we're here tonight to present some beer and food excitement to you, all of you. Did you ever hear the phrase, the good news comes in threes? (laughs) There's Huey, Dewey, and Louie, right? Who else? Does anybody have any others? Three Stooges, Moe, Larry, and Curly, that's right. There's the three wise men. And of course, our trio tonight is likely to be the most unforgettable trio of the evening as they present their secrets of malty and hoppy beers both in the kitchen and at the table. Our famous chef is himself a home brewer, bringing his expertise into kitchens across the country since the mid-1990s. His creativity is the result of merging knowledge and imagination. Ask those to attend his Belgian-inspired dinners where he presents, up to, count them, 12 courses, all with beer in each one of them and additionally marrying them up with palate-pleasing beer. I present to you Chef Sean Paxton. How
0: you guys doing? Thanks for coming out.
3: Match with our famous chef, is a pair of award-winning brewmasters who seem to have trump cards in their pockets for every competition they enter. Selected to brew at Marston's in the UK for the J.D. Weatherspoon International Beer Festival, our first master of the brew was the 2007 recipient of the Russell Shearer Award for Innovation in Brewing. He was chosen as World Beer Cup Champion for Midsize Brewing Company in both 2004 and 2006, and the Great American Beer Festival Brewmaster of the Year for a Midsize Brewing Company in 2003 and 2007. Please welcome from Firestone Walker Brewing Company, Matt Ronaldson. Woo! Our next master of the brew might well be proud of his role in brewing the highest-rated beer on RateBeer.com, Dark Lord of Three Floyds Brewing Company in Munster, Indiana. He's hosted tasting dinners, even featuring unique beer-infused ice creams and sauces with Moloko Milk Stout, and has crafted Pop Skull, a collaboration beer with Sam Calajone of Dogfish Head Craft Brewery. He's even lived life as the big green monster in the Alpha King Challenge, held annually as a tribute to Alpha King Pale Ale. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome from Three Floyds Brewing Company,
0: Barnaby Struve. Thanks everybody. How are you guys doing tonight? Gotta feel like I should be doing like a sham wow commercial, you know, kinda. So anyway, um, we're here to have a lot of fun today. We're going to have some real fun stuff to try as well as we got some great beers that are going to be, start to be passed around here in a minute. Those in the back, if you want to find a seat to help yourself, we've got a lot of great food for all you guys. So what we're going to start off with is um, even though, Mr., uh, I won a gold and a bronze last year in the IPA category, we're going to use his malty beers, and uh, Matt has done a wonderful beer with uh, the double barrel And I really enjoy it because of its small complexity, it has a little bit of the wood component to it, and it's very English in style, so it has a lower bitterness, which makes it a real fun beer to cook with. Um, Today we're gonna be doing some sea scallops that we're gonna sear, and we're gonna do that with a uh, double barrel ale um, demi-glace. But, just to make it more interesting, because we could just do something as simple as that, we're actually gonna smoke the scallops in one of the Firestone Walker barrels. So not too long ago, we did the Night of Ales for SF Beer Week, and it was kind of fun because I got a whole barrel from Firestone, took it apart, made it into um, candlesticks out of the staves, and I shaved all the little holes for the candles, and I happened to save all the little uh, shavings, and we used this to actually smoke the scallops. So when you start to think about smoke, right, you start to think about flavors, you start to think about um, adding extra components, and what's kind of fun is... There's this great little device. It's called the Smoking Gun. The way this works is it's actually a, ba- a battery-powered uh, smoker, but it's all cold smoke. So you could use a barbecue at home. You could use a little fire, and like, like in your barbecue, and just basically fill your barbecue up with smoke and put your scallops on there and let them smoke that way. If you don't have something like this, it, you can find it online, thesmokinggun.com. But what's kind of fun with this is you can actually start to do some really fun and interesting things with it. Today what we're going to do is we're going to do scallops. So, come on down, Matt. What do you want me to talk about? What do I want you to talk about? I want you to talk about
2: your beer. Okay. So Firestone Walker Double Barrel Ale. How many have tasted Firestone before? How many haven't tasted Firestone before? Okay, I'm talking to you. So... Firestone Walker is a brewery in Central Coastal California, and the family that owns the uh, brewery has been making wine for about 35 years, so they're very in tune with using oak in the process. They're very in tune with what oak can impart on a, uh, on a beverage. So when they conceived of this brewery they wanted to make barrel fermented ales and double barrel ale is the flagship it's the first beer that they um, designed it's the first beer that they decided to in this case ferment in oak barrels and um, it's kind of a long story but the process is very simply doing the primary fermentation in new american oak barrels and they're wine barrels basically they're Uh, charred not charred I'm sorry toasted to a medium toast level and as you can imagine toasted oak brings about flavors just like Munich malt does Um, it has a you know a a very warm and kind of toasty note that it adds to the beer we always say that oak adds a fifth element to the beer so the beer that you're gonna have is a low alcohol beer it's about five percent alcohol it has a lot of English caramel malts in it, so it does have kind of a sweet backbone to it, and the oak kind of works with the bitterness of the hops and adds an extra edge. Um, toasty astringency from oak, bitterness from the hops, and kind of a resiny backbone. It almost looks like a bong or something up here, like a smoking session. Like my you. <laughs>
0: So what we're also doing here is, so I've actually taken the abductor muscle off the sea scallop, which is a little thing on the side that actually, whoa, (laughs) hello there. And uh, we've used that with um, taking that out, and basically we filled this whole bag out with smoke now, and we're going to let that sit. You can let it sit for anywhere between 10 minutes and 2 hours, depending on how much smoke flavor, and you can actually add more uh, smoke to it as you go on if you want more smoke. This is delicate, but we're actually going to also smoke some salt. Um, I don't know if you guys have been to the gourmet stores and whatnot. You see all these different kinds of salt from the Himalayas to the Hawaiian black seashores all the way to uh, France. And This is a French sea salt, and we're actually smoking that as well. It's going to add that little extra flavor and dimension, and what's also kind of fun with this uh, particular salt is its texture. This with everything, it'll actually give a little bit extra texture as well. We don't think of just of solid as salinity, but as texture, it's kind of a fun thing. So now we have both of them smoking. Now what we've done over here on the side is we've actually done a demi already. Anybody know what a demi is? Show of hands. Well, I know you do. <laughs> if you didn't, there'd be a problem. <laughs> What's kind of fun is, is that you basically take veal bones, an imbibrapoix, carrots, onion, celery, and leeks, tomato paste, and a whole bunch of water, and you roast off your bones, and you simmer it. It takes about three days to make. Um, what's kind of neat about it is, is it's so rich, it's so dense. It really has a lot of uh, stickiness to it, so it really coats your mouth really well. Um, it also, uh, it's just dripping just beef and veal flavors. And what's actually kind of fun with this preparation, especially since we're smoking the scallops, it's actually very different because we're actually going to take the scallops into a meat category. If you think about a, a, a filet and a scallop, you'll actually start to see similarities in the texture of the uh, of the fibers of the protein. So what's kind of fun with this is we're actually going to do something pretty interesting is, is that to take that scallop into that area. For those of you who might not like scallops s- s- standardly, this preparation is really kind of fun because you'll start to really see... The overlay, and what's actually great is is that as Matt was talking about the beer, this particular beer, you know, I just think it works so well with this. You can do a lot of barrel aged beers when they're lo- lower in, in hoppiness. You could do this with a stout, something like that, too. Um, you'll get a really radical difference. But this particular beer with the Demi, I think it's really phenomenal. So, it's getting close. So basically, there's recipes that you guys will be able to get, and there's also some other products. So if you go up um, to any of your gourmet markets, your meat departments, you might be able to find demi-glace already made, as well as you'll be able to uh, get, sometimes it's like a little foil package. It looks like, almost like a little jello o container, uh, and it's called uh, Gold, you know what I'm talking about? It's like a... It's, You can get it in chicken, lamb, beef flavor. It's really kind of fun, so you can use that instead. This is a great appetizer. You could do it as one per, or you could also do three per a plate. You'll get a great consistency and flavor with there. You could also do it with mashed potatoes as a as a main, or just as simple. So we're actually going to start if they haven't started already uh, in the back there. Ah, beer. Yeah, can we get some beer up here? the simple things. So, what do you think? I was just going to say a little bit more
2: about the beer, now that I have some in my hand. But this is your beer. This isn't my beer. A <laughs> <laughs> little more about double barrel ale, though. It's very English in origin. It has uh, the hop regiment is uh, English and Styrian golding. So, it's EKGs and Styrian goldings. And so, it's very English in its origins. And um, the family, of course... Uh, came from England came to California to do this brewing and when they first started out brewing they decided they would like to use Chardonnay barrels to do the fermentation rather than new American oak and their original experiments back in the 90s they weren't trying to make critter beers they were trying to make clean straight-ahead English ales and the first beers were pretty much uh, salad dressing at best using Chardonnay barrels. They came full circle around to using new American oak right. and uh, figured out, utilizing these barrels, something very closely akin to the Burton Union system that is currently used in burton on Trent in the UK.
0: All righty. Well, we're actually waiting for a sauté pan. Apparently the last guy used them all. <laughs> so as these are getting plated up, we're actually going to start talking with Barnaby here because he has some really malty uh, beers that have a great backbone, but there's a very strong bitterness as well as uh, aromatic qualities to his beers, which when you start to think about bitterness, a lot of people tend to kind of shy away from that in cooking, but this is where you start thinking about cooking in another way. Some of the things that we're going to do today is we're actually going to do a ceviche. So we're actually cooking with lime juice and the beer, and what's kind of fun is is that, especially the Dreadnought, this beer has a lot of mango and apricot kind of flavors to it. How this plays up, a ceviche, it's actually really kind of fun. Barnaby, you want to talk about it? Why do a little
1: prep? How are we doing out there? Let's give it up for Barnaby. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right, well, how many of you have tried our beers from our tiny brewery in uh, Munster, Indiana? I'm not sure if you know where Munster, Indiana is, but it's a. Uh, it's a thriving cultural metropolis about 35 miles south of Chicago. But uh, we have made our, our little home there. And, and Dreadnought is one of the beers that we've had a lot of success with in terms of uh, um, public response. And a lot of people make double IPAs, and most of them, I believe, you, obviously it's to accentuate the, uh, the hoppy characteristic of it, not only aromatically but also with the bitterness. But unlike a lot of other IPAs, uh, double IPAs, we also try to give it a pretty healthy malt backbone so you get more of the bright aromatic and flavorful characteristics of the hop but again this beer is a very very bitter beer i mean that's what we're that's what we're trying to do in which fact, is great uh, actually in this dish though that's what actually really makes this work and i'm quite curious actually this is uh, this should be interesting but because uh, it is it is a bitter beer but uh, you know what we try to do again is have this malty backbone that that sort of cuts the astringency of the hops. So it doesn't taste like you're drinking aspirin. You know, it uh, it actually brings out more of the fruity type of flavors of it. And uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Well, what's kind of fun with this too is, is that we've actually, when I cook with these beers, I do these really crazy beer dinners and stuff. And you'll see that I cook with some just absolutely insane, insane beers. I don't do it just as uh, the shock factor of like, oh, he cooked with what's leather in 12. How could he? No, it was more like it's a flavor, it's a component. And if you could actually start to use the beer that we love to drink, just like in wine, we like to cook with the wines that we like to drink, taking that same philosophy and actually making the beer an ingredient. So start thinking about your spice cabinet, right? You got thyme, you got rosemary, you got dill, you got onion powder, garlic powder, you got all these different spices. Well, start to think about your beers, especially as the mix, whether it's in the multi component or the hoppy component, they start to interlace all these different layers. And like Matt knows real well about all the different essential oils in the hops that actually mimic some of the same flavors and actually are the same derivative flavors that we get from the hops. And so what's kind of fun with this is that using the mango with the beer, you start to get a whole other layer of complexity. And that's what's kind of fun is because if you think about it, I just used mango, I would just get mango. If you get this uh, other beers, uh, uh, especially with the hop component, you'll actually get a wider, broader range of uh, of that mango flavor. And so what you guys are tasting right now is a scallop. And you can kind of see, too, that with the smoke and, again, that malty beer and how that plays it up, you start to get a whole another layer of complexity. It's it's broader, it's wider, and that's what's again what's kind of fun with cooking with beer is you get a whole another perspective and a whole another way that you normally don't get those ingredients and those flavors in. And that to me is where the real joy of it is because the alcohol actually does help distribute the flavors better in a dish. But what I also like too is is that what it adds to flavor. What do you guys are you guys enjoying the scallop? Good. What? You want another one? <laughs> so what's also kind of fun is that when you start to think about cooking with hoppy beers, is um, you can do a lot of things, which I'm sure Barnaby has maybe played with with the ice cream. Have you done hop ice cream?
1: Well, it's not I, I just play with the beers. We That's <laughs> we all you just do is play, play with beer? With the ice creams. But he does that same sort of thing. It's, you know, a lot of... I mean, being a brewer, I can understand how hoppiness and bitterness affects beer flavor but in terms of making different kinds of foods and sweeter foods that also have a bitter component. It, it, as long as you have somebody that's willing to experiment with it that actually knows how to use the ingredients, just like brewing, you can be really, really successful and try something different that a lot of people may not have tried. And that's, I mean, that's, that's why we're all here, right? I mean, try, try different things that are executed in a really, in a really quality sort of way you know, that really just expand our palate and, and, and our experience of beer and food.
0: Well, that's also what's kind of neat, too, is when you really stop to look at, whoa, nothing like good feedback, (laughs) is that, again, like, just thinking about what you're doing and how you're doing it. I just did a recipe not too long ago for an IPA blue cheese uh, dressing or vinaigrette. You could do it on the creamier side, and that's going to tone down the hot bitterness, or you could do it more in a vinaigrette where it's actually going to accentuate it. And again, that would be really fun on a salad. You could do some really neat things with that. So real quick, just to get back to the course that's being served right now, we have a little bit of clarified butter here into a nice hot pan. And we're going to take our scallops that have been smoking, supposedly, for half an hour. And the one thing that's tricky with scallops is you want a hot pan so you get a nice sear to it. You should hear a nice little tss. Ooh. We'll season a little bit with this uh, smoked salt. And one of the real tricks to get a nice caramelization on your scallops is not to uh, move them around too much. A lot of people tend to fuss with things. You just want to kind of let it sit there. That way it'll actually get a little bit more um, color and you won't tear it apart. The last of the scallops are coming around right now. Somebody's having fun over there. So, you like seafood, Matt? You like seafood? Uh, very much so. Because if you guys don't like scallops, you could always do shrimp. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> nice little sear on that. But you could also do this with fish. You could do a lot of different ways. But, uh, or even uh, scallops would be, or um, sorry, lobster would be really nice. So now what we're also doing here is this is the basically the base for a ceviche. So thinking about Barnaby's beers, what's kind of neat with this is that the fish plays the protein, but then the vegetables actually start to play up the texture and the, all the different other elements. So you have mango, bell pepper. Uh, both red and yellow, and we're also going to have a little bit of sliced onion. And that's going to add a little bit of bite to it. But what's also kind of neat is that the fish will actually cook in the lime juice. It's also when you're cutting stuff up for any dish at home, whether it's this dish or anything else, always think about textures and flavors and how it's all going to work together. And with this one, we're going to use lime zest as well because when you think about citrus, you're actually cooking with the citrus and also some of the alcohol. And, uh, almost done there. Um, if you start to think about, again, what we were talking about layers of flavors and an umbrella, start to think about the zest, start to think about the juice. Um, obviously, we, we, we don't want what's underneath the zest, which is the, the white part, which is uh, the pith, which isn't very good. But this will also add a little bit of color as well. You can also um, use lemons and limes and oranges if you want to have a little bit more citrus complexity. Um, and what's nice too about ceviche, especially with the summer months, I think it works really well with hoppy uh, IPAs. You know, it's a little warm out. You want something a little different. So basically, we'll do that. Got our fish. Is there any way uh, I could get some of the uh, IPA? The IPA? The dreadnought? (laughs) The only IPA? (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. So now what we're going to do is we're going to put a little bit of beer in here. We put some lime juice as well. And usually you want about equal portions, but, again, this is not quite TV, but, you know, we'll make it work. How many of you guys like ceviche? So we actually have back there, we actually have recipes for you guys to take home and you guys can double, triple this if you want to do a larger party or do something smaller. How is the scallops? Everybody get them? In the back, you guys get scallops? We need some scallops, well, there we go. Hi, Sean. So the next course, which if you guys want to start passing the next course of ceviche, So this is halibut. You can use this with a lot of different kinds of whitefish. Um, What's nice with halibut is it has a great texture. It's Also, there's a lot of fat in it, so it actually will work really well in a ceviche. You could easily use um, snapper, cod, um, link cod, trout, if you want to do something a little different. But basically, you want a nice uh, sliced uh, fish, not too thin, not too thick, because the thicker it is, it will actually take longer to cook. This will usually take about two to three hours to kind of cure with the, the acidity of the lime juice and the citrus, as well as with uh, uh, the beer. And basically, what I've done for you guys already will be passed out. and that kind of fun, festive colors? So are there any questions about malty beers? Any guys out there have any questions about how to cook with multi beers do you guys cook with multi beers at all how many of you guys actually show of hands cook with beer right on so what you can also do on the multi beer side is that you could start to think about um everything from you know obviously matt's wonderful beer the double barrel ale all the way um through you know your english milds your bitters as well as uh, low-hopped IPAs, um, especially on the East Coast. I find that there's a lot less hops out there. I'm sure Vinny will appreciate that comment. But uh, you could also use stouts. You could use um, a nice nutty brown ale. Um, They're great in um, everything from braises to stews to soups. Um, I had a wonderful chowder, actually, up at Newport uh, at the Rogue Brewery that they did their barley wine which is really, I think it's very malty, and how that worked with the seafood and the clams and the chowder was phenomenal. Um, So again, you can start to see the diversity of how you can use and cook with those beers. Now with the hoppy beers, what's interesting is you don't really want to cook them as much Um, You could easily do like a roasted garlic IPA mashed potato. You could do some other things where, you know, outside of a vinaigrette and salad dressing, you could start to think about, you know, hmm, what would be good with this? You could use it as a marinade, and you got to get some extra complexity and flavors. So what do you think of that scallop? The scallop is wonderful. You guys enjoy it? So, Matt, do you cook with beer at all? Do you cook with beer at all? I don't cook a lot at home, actually. But
2: because you seem to make a lot of my dinners lately. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm a Sean Paxton groupie. I'm on <laughs> tour. That came
0: up to the dinner I did in Maine not too long ago at the Ebenezer, where we really pl- played with some of these concepts in different ways. We actually, um, Duronke, which is one of the hoppier uh, beers out of Belgium, they do a um, XX bitter which I think is a really, really nice beer. It has a lot of complexity, a little bit of calcium in there, so it has a little bit more of a bite to it. And what was really fun is I actually used that with parsnips and made a puree for scallops. So using, again, the flavors and the contrasting and how those flavors work together. Um, Wow. Scallops still going around. But um, what's kind of fun with that is is that uh, when you start to think about these different beers and these different aromas and flavors that you get from them, really dissect it. Because one of my main principles when you start to cook with any beer is to really stop and think about what does it taste like? I mean, how many of you, you know, when you taste the beer, it's not just the wetness factor on it, but how do you get, you know, the flavors and like what the yeast brings, the malt brings, the hop brings? And to really start thinking about, you know, are they putting spices or herbs or, you know, is it in barrels? And so to start to think about these different flavors and how to incorporate what that beer has and how to build off it. You know, I think it's really interesting because when you start to really go through and really uh, identify what flavors you're tasting in these beers um, and then how to incorporate that into food, that will really, really help everybody here because you really start to see where, wow, that beer will really do a great thing. You know, last night I did some stuff with sour beers. And again, you start thinking about sour and you think about sweet, you think about malty, you think about bitter. And, you know, those are the main things that we start to taste. And using those to our advantage as a culinary arsenal, especially when it comes to integrating these flavors and these unique characteristics into our dishes, it's actually kind of fun. Matt, do you want to talk about the hop? Um essential oils at all
2: i think that hop essential oils are very closely akin to spices used in cooking um if you look through the spectra of oils you have the citrus notes you have a lot of the same notes that are in cardamom you have really everything that's used in the culinary world is available to the brewer in the hop and of course, American hops tend to be more on the citrus side. They, ha- they happen to be more fruity. The European hop cultivars tend to be more on the spicy, Good. resiny side. So it's funny as a brewer, you, you're you're thinking uh, much like a chef when you're spicing these uh, these beers. So I think that for the longest time European brewers ignored American hops because of the fruity characteristics and a lot of the the beer world was all about the spicy side and the resiny side of hops and it's really not until the American craft brewers movement that we started looking at the citrus we started looking at the fruity side that hop could add and when it comes to food it just opens up all sorts of new avenues.
0: Well, that's what's kind of fun, too, is because you think about those citrus flavors like Cascade that, you know, Sierra Nevada brings. You know, it's it's so dominant, and it's so strong. But yet, how do you use that into food? I mean, you start to think about, you know, you could do a sorbet with that. You're not really cooking the sorbet. You add a little bit of simple syrup to it. You get a wonderful hop, you know, infusion. Last weekend, it was actually kind of fun. I took... Um, Vodka, and I took some German hops since it was an October theme, and actually I infused the vodka in with the hops to make basically my own vanilla. I mean, what do you do when you make vanilla? You take vanilla beans, you put it in a bourbon or a vodka. Same idea with the hops. Let that sit for about a week, uh, strained it out, and then I made basically your your standard ice cream base, which is about two cups cream, one cup milk, three-quarters cup of sugar with about six egg yolks, and make a creme anglaise, and then chill that down and then add that hop extract, if you will. And it really was kind of fun just to see how that played up. Those, uh, I did Perle and Tower, especially in, since it's a, a, a German meal, but you could easily start playing with the new, you know, whether it's Simcoe, CTZs. It would be really interesting, I think, too, with like the Amarillo. I really like the flavor of those a lot, especially with cooking. Kind of fun. And that way you can get a really fun hop ice cream. But what I also think is neat is is that you start taking those ideas, and now you can actually start doing different things. And actually, maybe you do a hop cheesecake, and you infuse that hop extract into it instead of a malt or a graham cracker crust. Take your favorite blend of English malts and grind that up in your food processor, and mix in some butter and a little bit of brown sugar. And you can actually make a new kind of crust, if you will. Bake, uh, press it into your springform pan, bake that off and then put your cheesecake batter on it and then infuse that with that hop extract. And now you've actually deconstructed beer in its elements and now you have it into a dish and it's kind of a fun thing, especially when you have friends over, whether it's a homebrew meeting. I've done it at dinners before. I also write for a beer advocate. That was done, what, about a year ago? So it was kind of fun. So you guys enjoying the uh, ceviche? So what do you guys think? Does the hops work in that? two thumbs up from the beer chef nice what's also to me kind of fun is is that you think about what that beer gives that dish it 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 brings it to, to me a more adult flavor profile would you agree you know and to me what's kind of fun too is i know matt back there he was the little throw down now i know you haven't had it yet but when you have it i think you'll be impressed with just what it does and what it gives we need to get that out there come on guys Is there any questions in the audience about cooking with malty or hoppy beers?
3: I'm just wondering about when to add, if it makes a difference with the malty beers or the hoppy beers, when it's better to add them to really capitalize on
2: the flavors that they offer.
0: That's a good point. Um, With malty beers, when you start to think about melanoidin malts and malts that have been uh, caramelized a little bit longer... What's interesting is is that that same technique actually happens in the pan. When you're searing the scallops to searing a piece of meat, that same maillard reaction is happening on the protein. So what's interesting is that with a malty beer, you can use it to deglaze, but if there is some hop residue and it's a little little bit more hoppy, you'll actually, as it reduces down, you'll intensify the hop flavor much stronger than you will the malt because the hop uh, oils, they're not volatile. They don't boil off. So as you're cooking with that, you might want to use some more stock or other things to make your sauce or cream, which will lessen that hot bitterness and get a nice flavor that way. When you're cooking with hoppy beers, you should really add them in the last, like, two, three minutes of a dish. You really don't want to cook them very long because as they reduce, you get more of that bitterness, which, depending if you want a dish that has a lot of bitterness, you can add it in earlier, but you will change the flavor. And one of my little tricks when I cook with beer a lot is that Save about yay much at the bottom of the bottle, and at the very end, put that little bit left over, and hopefully there's no sediment. You really want to leave that sediment behind, so you could decant the beer into another glass and then pour that on top at the very end. That way, you'll get a little bit more of that uh, fresh flavor, and that way it's not as cooked. That would really help. Anybody else have any other questions? Matt, I see you're about ready to dig in. All eyes on Matt.
1: I'm going to try it. What do you guys think? Barnaby? I think it's great. Um, like I said, I'm not used to people cooking with uh, really bitter beers like this, but I think it's there's no reason why people can't... I mean, if they, like I said, if they got the right skills and they can do it, it's a whole different flavor profile, like I said, especially with sweets. We have a friend that's a baker in Chicago who makes chocolate chip and bacon cookies, and if you can mix uh, you know, the salty and sweet and... Just totally. savory and sweet. Why, do, why can't bitterness fit in there to, to some degree? Also, again, there's a lot of um, a lot of residual sugar in a beer that's as uh, strong as Dreadnought, which again will also help caramelize or you know, do whatever you need to. Totally should be. It should have multiple applications. So, can you taste your beer in the dish? Speech I can taste a lot of my beer, but it's, I've been drinking a lot of it, so <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's delicious. It's great. Well, thank you very much.
0: Well, it's great too, when you think about you know the brewers that are up on the stage here. It's kind of neat when you really look at what they bring as far as um, their talents and their experience and what they want you to taste. I mean, obviously this beer wasn't just boom, bam, it's in the fermenter and here it is. I mean, these were carefully thought out, restructured, depending on the malts and the hops that were available and everything else. And I think that's where it's really kind of neat because I see a lot of crossover between the brewer and the chef. And you can start to see too where... You know, it's the same love and and, uh, attention to detail and passion that goes into these beers that we enjoy drinking so much. And it's really, it's great to have both of you guys up on stage here today because if you guys didn't didn't do what you do, I couldn't do what I do with your beers. And it's really, really neat to see, especially, you know, with the craft beer movement, what we have experience to, you know, I mean, I see Vinny here in the audience. You know, I've cooked with his beer. His consecration with Duck is amazing. Not that it's a multi-hoppy kind of thing, but it's so much fun. And, you know, you start to think about all the other great beers out there. And, you know, Sully there in the back, we did a beer called Monk's Blood that was real fun to cook with. And, and I just think it's so neat because these beers, especially all around us right now with all this extra noise, you start to think about, you know, what is out there. And as you guys leave this uh, seminar today, I'm really hoping that you guys are intrigued and start to think about Wow, I could cook with this. This would be really good with X or Y or Z. You know, and that's where to me that's how I'm doing this whole fest. It's really kind of neat just to see the whole passion that all these brewers bring to every glass that you're drinking and tasting and sampling. And when you walk away like, wow, that would be really good in chicken or duck or turkey or, you know, and that's where to me it's a whole another layer of complexity and it's just, you know, it's really endless what you could do with beer, and it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun for me to play with and do these dinners and the articles that I write and the recipes. So, now I know uh, Carol will actually have uh, these recipes up on her site. I will eventually have them up on my website at homebrewchef.com. It should be uh, really easy. Um, is Mackenzie, are they out, the recipes? There she is. We're going to start passing out the recipes for you guys. There's your answer. And I think you guys should easily be able to reproduce these in your own kitchen. I really designed them so that you guys can easily do this at home. And it's a lot of fun that way. So, guys, what do you think? Any other things you want to add in there? Barnaby, it's a real pleasure. Matt, always a pleasure.
3: Join me in thanking Matt Brinelson, Firestone Walker, Barnaby Struve, Three Floyds Brewing Company, and Sean Paxton, our homebrew chef, and you yourselves for all coming here tonight. Become beer ambassadors.
2: Thanks for listening to Craft Beer Radio. The theme music is Money or Time from The Lights Out. Email us, beer at craftbeerradio.com or follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash jeffbear and twitter.com slash gmwise. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information.